Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 110 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. It's been a minute. I almost forgot I'd do this show. Uh, I took off a little time, go on vacation, you know, just kind of relax, veg. I've got more stuff in the pipeline for you, but right now, episode 110 is a doozy. I'm being joined by Mike Scheidt of Yob. Yob, of course, is the cosmic doom metal band that has received praise from Pitchfork, Rolling Stone, The New York Times, and the likes. They're very, very, very good, and they're very, very, very heavy. Mike and the rest of Yob are on their first real tour in a couple of years because of, you know. And he came on to talk about how this tour has been different from ones in the past, how the tour has been highlighting the Atma album in the wake of its re-release last year in 2021. Nostalgia in general, recent guitarists that have inspired him, and a lot more. Now before we dive with my conversation with Mike, here is some of Prepare the Ground from the 2021 Atma re-release. Not too bad. How is sunny San Diego treating you? It's good, man. It's good. It looks like, uh, you know, okay, I'm only a minute late here. We've been, uh, oh, thanks, brother. We're, uh, yeah, just just literally got off the freeway. So, yeah, it's gorgeous. It's amazing. I brought uh, too many wintry things. <laughs> so you're just like sweating your balls off in, in a very unforgiving climate at the moment? Well, yeah, it's like, it's not only you know, having been in Oregon for two years, but just, yeah, not traveling. I mean, it's been getting pretty warm in the summer, but, uh, you know, I got used to a pretty mild winter. So, you know, pretty boring. I'm up outside of uh, Sacramento and I just busted up my shorts for the first time and I'm going to be miserable for the next six months or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah, you, you spoken like a, a Northwesterner in your heart. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was born in Washington, so I think I feel like that uh, that that really formed who my my physical being is, and what Except I'm comfortable in. Yeah, that's cool. All right, man. I'll go ahead and just dive in because I know you've got a um, you got a show later tonight. Want to like conserve your voice, so I'm not going to take take up too much of your time. Appreciate that. So, so how has the this you know run of shows been for you? Because it's the first full big thing in a bit, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's been great. It's, uh, you know, I think pretty much, yeah, you know, for most people, it's, it's like this mixture of strange and wonderful being in crowds again, and, and certainly being able to see live music, there's a lot of good cheer in the room. And how has like your time on the road changed now that we're you know mid pandemic and stuff? I I don't know if you're one to like hang out and chat with people before and after shows, but has that? I'm assuming that's gone down a bit. It's gone down a bit, but um, but you know, I mean, I'm still I'm still talking to people and and catching up and signing autographs, and you know, it's one of those things where well, maybe don't say signing autographs, but just signing records, you know, and and doing 
you know, wanting to, wanting to connect with people. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I've had COVID already, <laughs> you know, a couple, couple months ago and, you know, I know you can get it again, but you know, I'm double vaxxed and I'm boosted and, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, there's wisdom to, to being careful and watching every little thing. And then there's, you know, trying to find a way to come back into life again. And I think everybody has a little bit of confusion about what that looks like and what it should like look like and what the potential results of it are. But, you know, this is what's happening. So I'm just kind of going with it and masking up in certain places. But, you know, when we're on stage and we have four or 500 people breathing in our direction and we're maskless, I mean, you know, what can you do? Yeah. I, I do think go, of... you just have to go with it. I just try, I just try to not, I try to be really cautious, but being super fearful about it just doesn't change anything. Sure. Other than it, it just makes me feel worse. And then fear becomes infectious, right? So of course. Just... All right. Without so, without further dwelling on that whole part of all that, um, uh, if your setlist.fm sets are to be, be believed from the Sacramento and San Francisco shows, um, and you know everything so far on this tour, that your sets have been largely from the uh, Atma record. Presumably yes. to, you know, correspond with the re-release of the album. Um, how has reapproaching those songs been for you on this tour? You know, as, much, as like with this much focus on them, I guess I mean. Well, it's, it's true. I mean, there are songs, the songs that we're playing have been songs that have been in rotation off and on since the album came out. So it's not like they're, they're ever too far in the rear view. I will say that going through the process of doing the remix and the remaster of Atma, it did in a strange way feel like hearing the record, like it was a brand new record. And because I hadn't really spent that much time with the album, except to like relearn songs that we were going to play on tour. Um, and so it feels really great, but it also wasn't exactly like it was calculated. I think, you know, when we were getting together and just throwing song ideas around, there were just the selections that we were naturally gravitating towards that felt like the vibe of the moment for us. And so that was what we went with. And then, and then also that we are touring in a way we're touring that record and so um so yeah that lines up really nicely and when you are re-listening to these songs again is there um i mean it's been over 10 years for you for, with them do you feel any sort of disconnect from them and are you able to listen to them objectively or do you kind of still find things where you know it's you there and you wish you could change bits of them well with the old production in particular, it was the production that we were aiming for at the time. Um, it was intentional and we got it. But um, I think over time, that production started to kind of wear on us. And it wasn't a matter of the songs or the performances not being good because they were, and, you know, they're at least for 
people that follow us. There are songs that are requested. I, I can, I've never really been able to listen to that album objectively until we got the remix. And then it was like, I heard it with fresh ears and, and it, it really kind of blew my mind because I just had put that recording so far out of my thinking that when it came back in, but with that spectrum of improvement, it it was, uh, it, it's hard to put into words, but it was like I was finally getting to listen to the album and appreciate it. Are you generally a nostalgic person when it comes to your material or like, I guess in general? Well, I'm not nostalgic about about my material, though. Um, I am definitely nostalgic about other bands' material and things like that, absolutely. Um, but as far as our stuff goes, to me, the songs that you know we recorded 15 years ago that are still in rotation, you know, were longer ago. Um, as we've improved as a band they've improved with us so when we play them live it's a it's a a much more seasoned band playing those songs versus 2003 or 2004 so it's like a, we i don't really have to be nostalgic about them i mean maybe occasionally i'm nostalgic about like the time frame so when i think about like the you know catharsis era and and you know stonerock.com was strong and man's ruin was just chucking records out like there was, you know, like there was just an infinite ability to do that. And um, it was, everything wasn't so instantaneous. And, you know, I waited however many weeks to get an import. And, you know, I mean, I love being able to tap away and check something out as much as anybody, but there was a certain kind of vibe of that time that, Occasionally when I look back and listen to records, I think about that and uh, um, I'm nostalgic for it, but I'm not nostalgic in the sense that those were the good old days. They were good days, but these are good days too. Sure. And also referencing uh, setlist.fm as a, a source, even though it's a user generated thing and people add in sets that they went to that they kind of remember, uh, it's, it's making it look like you guys never play before we dream of two. Is that the case, or is that just not being well documented? No, that's correct. I, I I think we've maybe played that song live, maybe three or four times, maybe. Yeah, the website's got you clocked at one, and it was in San Francisco, but you know, tours going yeah, on still. Yeah. Why is that? Yeah. It just hasn't. Um, it just hasn't been one that we've worked up, and I think maybe on some level, when you know, back then when Scott sang on it and it was really fresh and you know he wrote his parts and so we had this big chunk of music that we walked in the studio kind of with it being parts of it being a pretty open canvas and when he laid it down he laid it down just so thoroughly and completely that i think at least at the beginning we just kind of felt like you know we don't want to do the scott kelly imitation you know yet or something um we just wanted to let that kind of sit for a while and you know i think now for certain we could we could work it up we just haven't 
Um, you mentioned, of course, Scott from Neurosis, uh, and this is a story, or not necessarily a story, but a night I've brought up on this podcast a couple times. In fact, I brought up with Steve because we had an awkward interaction at, at this show. Um, do you by chance remember opening for Neurosis and Voivod at the Fox Theater in Oakland? Yes. So that was my introduction to you. Um, that was a very, very weird time in my life. I was either just going through a breakup or seemingly about to somewhere in there and Voivod's PR people reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to interview them and I interviewed them and the entire time I'm in the dressing room Yab is shaking the room <laughs> and the interview was already chaos but it, it made it just like this very strange amazing situation and when I'm heading back out to the crowd after the interview I stopped on the stage of the Fox and watched you guys from the side before like somebody realized I shouldn't be there and I was like gestured to head up head out um, how did that show come to be for, for you guys? And how was it playing, you know, Open Ferocious, the playing that beautiful theater? Cause I'd love the Fox. Well, I mean, I'd been friends with Scott for, you know, probably three years before all that. And, um, and, you know, we just kind of, you know, pen pal a little bit and, I did an interview with him for his radio show, uh, combat radio. And, and I think, uh, you know, I, you know, that band, I think, you know, they choose their, their opening acts, uh, communally. And, and I think, you know, those, those guys just, we weren't really on their radar and, and, you know, there's just so much stuff to listen to and, you know, they just weren't getting into it. And, uh, and then Steve, you know, this, the great cessation record really uh, resonated with him. And, uh, and so they invited us to Portland to play with them in Portland. And that was our first show that we played with them. I think the one at the Fox was the second show. And so I think that Portland show went really well. And, and so I think they're, they started to, uh, that was the beginning of them starting to invite us out more. Um, Yob has become one of those bands that has transcended metal and has gone to, you know, beyond the heavy metal blogs and radio and whatnot. And you've gotten coverage on Rolling Stone and Pitchfork and the likes. Do you recall the first time that you remember receiving praise from the world outside of heavy metal on like that level? And what did that feel like for you? Um, I mean, probably when, you know, we were releasing music and starting to see it being covered in in you know, via the media in uh, from sources that had never paid attention to us before so like you know getting a write-up in the new york times for example and you know being reviewed by somebody who appreciates metal but i think isn't like a metal head you know um and is they're much more you know they're into a, a vast array of music and clearly have a uh, a refined palette and so and then in that process i think we just started to see more people coming out that were being brought in by you know different kinds of songs i think there's some crowds that are or some people that are into our 
more head bashing stuff and there's people that are into more of the the big and the beautiful and but then there's you know lyrically you know we're we're climbing into territory that you know could be potentially put to a, a folk album or something or to a to a rock record or to something else and so but we just we take what we want and we make it us and so there is you know a lot of our influences are certainly in in the realm of down-tuned and heavy but there's lots of our influences that are not metal and and that's that's i think you know maybe part of it um part of it i don't i don't really i don't understand except for you know for me it's the other way around where being someone who's listened to who certainly grew up on lots of punk and hardcore and all the various forms of that and metal but having a really wide listenership where i could say all-time favorite records that i have you know many of them aren't metal and so i think now that just that kind of appreciation is much more of a two-way street and, and um and people appreciate the style of music for for something that isn't just meant to to uh incite you know though it certainly is very effectively used for that too so uh um, that's my rambling way of saying I don't know. <laughs> sure. Uh, kind of in that same world, though, you guys are playing Treefort this weekend, which is being headlined by Kim Gordon and Snail Mail. And there's a, a rather diverse uh, lineup on that festival. How are how are you guys at festivals? Like, do you think um, playing super long songs, do you feel like you're alien in a way or... I, I don't know, like, I haven't seen a truly heavy band at more of an indie festival yet, but, like, I know you guys play it. I've, I know Def Heaven plays them occasionally, so it, it seems like something I want to see, but it just hasn't presented itself to me yet. You know, we don't think about it too much because, I mean, if we were trying hard to turn heads or if we just show up and be the best version of us, it has about the same effect, except we don't have this weird kind of anxiety of trying to, to win a prize, you know, and try to convert a bunch of people and smash them into the wall and, and do the, you know, whatever, you know, description of trying to have an agenda. I feel like whenever we're playing, like when we open for Tool, you know, we just knew that there's just going to be a handful of people there that aren't going to like us. And that's fine. You know, we're, we're not for them. It's not in any way, shape or form personal. And so we don't need to get too kind of narcissistic about it. All we have to do is show up and be the best version of us we can be. And then whoever chooses us, chooses us on our merits and, us just being who we are and that's all we have to do uh, a buddy if, of my, nobody, if, if nobody likes it it's if nobody likes it it's fine if a bunch of people like it of course that's better but we don't really have a say in that except for doing the best job we can sure i i feel like those people in tree fort are in for a treats and i'm very jealous of them and the entire weekend mm -hmm. that you could potentially have um a friend of mine is a huge fan of yours and was at the Sacramento show front and center and sent me a video of you guys playing. So which made me want to 
ask him if he had any questions for you. And one that he asked, I thought was pretty cool. Uh, who are some newer guitarists that have inspired to change the way that you've played lately? Like who's somebody that's you've not necessarily ripped off, but like, you're like, Oh, that's pretty cool. I'm gonna try that. Um, like recently, let me think about that recently. Or, I mean, you can expand it if it's, uh, too much on the, like, I mean, you've probably always got your influence in your pocket, but if it's, if it's too tricky to pull up a more recent guitars, who else have, uh, no, no, no. Um, I mean, there's certainly been very, you know, consequential moments that have changed a little bit of how I approach things. You know, one time we played with, uh, Will Haven, um, the Sacramento band and, And just in their sound check, I, I was so blown away by their guitarist, Jeff, and how he he would have the droning note, and then he would have these kind of melody things he was doing underneath. And, you know, I've been playing swing and country blues for a while, so like the alternating bass and and handpicking you know melodies and things like that you know good right hand technique i was familiar with to some degree but i hadn't had quite the uh the way that he did it just permanently changed the way i play guitar and like a song like bald molten lead i think we were touring doing that show with them around the catharsis era and and the first song off of the illusion of motion, Ball of Molten Lead, I wouldn't have written that without seeing Will Haven. Damn. So that was that was the beginning of something new for me. And um and then uh also to uh you know, Dan from True Widow. He's just a really fabulous songwriter and has a really interesting sense of melody and space and has a way of just taking you know the true video takes you on their trip and it's just to me it's like it's they're, they're like no other band like you can imagine what their influences are but they're not a copy of any of those influences and i would say that his style sits in my mind often um about writing really engaging melodies that are on the surface straightforward but there's a lot of wit and depth to how those little things interplay and and it's a lot of subtraction rather than addition um and so that's a guitarist that really took me for a ride and also bob vigna from immolation i love his guitar style and his how he creates melody with disharmony and he's certainly a very very influential guitarist in, in death metal but even on their brand new record it's just he has this way of of creating this really epic grand sound and even when there's a blast beat the guitar could be like literally half time to the drums or even slower and just the drums are barreling underneath it and somehow it just rolls forward and it all works. And I love how his, his guitar solos are really 
they take flight in their own way and they're melodic, but they're on some level as fuck up as the music too. And, and it's not shredder exactly, but it's, I don't know. I just really, I find something continuously inspiring by him. And those are all, I would say newer guitars, you know, other than that, there's a lot of country blues cats that I've gotten my, some techniques from and all the, you know, seventies and eighties rock gods, you know, of which I can play about 2% worth of that level, but I've <laughs> combined all of these things and made it into my thing. I mean, that's a solid trifecta guitarist there. Um, so I'll go ahead and start winding down a little bit. Um, it's been 10 years since stay awake. Do you have another one of those lined up in the near future or like, what are you up to next? Yeah, I would like to write another solo record actually. Um, and it's something I do think about. So I think it's just a matter of really getting started. <laughs> um, it's, uh, you know, inspiration for me is it, it comes and goes, I'm sure like for everybody, but you know, when it goes, sometimes I, I just take big breaks, like rather than pressure myself into trying to do something or treat it like some kind of job where I have to get new content out there. I'd rather just hang back for a while and just, you know, just, it's like, you know, putting out a bird feeder or something and just let them come. And, uh, but, you know, put out the feeder, which means I pick up the guitar and I listen to a lot of music and reading for me is a pretty big source of inspiration. And, um, and so there's a lot of different things that I do that aren't directly musical, but then when the music starts happening, they come to bear on, on the, either you know inspiration either lyrically or musically and so i guess on some some level i'm always kind of working on music even if i've taken a six-month break all right man well that'll that'll do it for me uh thank you for talking to me you know making the time before your show um you know i guess get your vocal rest from here on out and go out there and crush everyone else on this tour and you know break a leg on your next leg of this as well all right well, thank you very much good talking to you nice talking as well you have a good one Bye. You too. Bye bye. was a little bit of stay awake from mike scheidt's solo album stay awake by the time you're hearing this yob's west coast run will be coming to a close however if you're in europe the tour is still planned as of this recording to kick off on april 27th you can find all those dates and how to order your copy of the atma re-release and all things yob over at yobislove.com now, as always, I would like to invite you to head over to FrogmanMetalPodcast.com. There you can find old episodes. If you're in a band, you can hit me up to be on the show. There's a store link, links to all my friends' stuff, and more. Then the theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Centrometer Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.